0: Hello, and welcome back to the First and Beer College Football Podcast. Today is September 17th, Thursday. We're back for week three of college football action in the 2020 season. Uh, but before we get into this week's games, Anthony, uh, we have uh, some uh, breaking news that came out on Wednesday. It is finally. Time for the Big Ten to make their decision on Wednesday, and they did after weeks of waiting, it seemed, and days uh, just this week. It sounded like they were going to make announcements Sunday, then Monday, then Tuesday, but finally Wednesday they made the announcement Big Ten football is going to be returning the weekend of October 23rd they're going to do eight games in eight weeks leading up to December 19th when they're going to have the conference championship game. There's some other things going on, but Anthony, we finally know the answer. Big Ten football is back. How are you feeling with the news?
1: I mean, I feel just as good as you do, man. It's a good day. I feel incredible about it. You know, I can't it's a wait damn to see good what day. It's a damn good day. I can't wait to see what the schedule looks like. We already have an idea of it. Like you said, eight games in eight weeks, and then there's going to be an additional game for the ninth game of the season where it's going to be like – matchup versus matchup east versus west of the conference and what i mean by that is the best team in the east is going to face the best team in the west the second best team in the east will face the second best team in the west and all the way down the line until you get to ruckers versus whoever in the west so
0: (laughs) of course uh that uh one v one matchup will be the uh conference championship game that weekend
1: absolutely so no we this is exciting stuff i mean this is a decision let's be honest the big ten had to make We could talk about, you know, the timing of it and, you know, the the start week. And, you know, we all thought maybe the 10th or the 17th to give yourself some wiggle room. They decided on October 24th for whatever reason that was, you know, that's the Big Ten stupid logic. I don't know, but we got to take what we can get. We got Big Ten football back. And this is big news for not only the fans, but most importantly, the players who have a lot to play for this year.
0: It, it really is. And, uh, to build off the big Ten's news, um, uh, there's, uh, from the PAC 12 also been some positive developments going on there. Uh, it seems like in, in the upcoming weeks, maybe, um, uh, I mean, if they're going to try to get into the, uh, story or conversation for the college ball playoff as well, you'd think they'd have to start around the same time the big 10 does. But, um, it does seem like the governors in uh, both California and Oregon uh, have uh, been give have given the okay for schools there to start practicing and uh, return to competition. So uh, the Pac-12 may not be too far behind. I know the Mountain West Conference released a statement on Wednesday saying that they are going to be working towards the season. Uh, the MAC, however, uh, it does not seem like action is going to be returning this fall, unfortunately. Uh, We'll see what the Mountain West and the Pac-12 end up doing. But back to the Big Ten, that's the big news. Uh, So, uh, yeah, eight games in eight weeks. Uh, Before we break into their protocols quickly, uh, I do have to say, even with their protocols, Anthony, eight games in eight weeks seems uh, very uh, generous thinking based off what we've already seen happening uh, college football this year with postponements and cases. Uh, now, the testing the Big Ten does have is going to help uh, possibly mitigate how many players you have to quarantine and uh, therefore postpone games. Uh, but eight games in eight weeks, uh, that's not leaving much wiggle room at all uh, and really none at all uh, for anything to really go wrong.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, when you think about it, this has to be a pretty much perfect run in those in that two-month span for the Big Ten. It's going to be interesting to follow how they, you know, if, if cancellations of games do happen, and let's be honest, at this point it seems inevitable that it probably will happen at some point because it's happened in the Big 12, it's happened in other conferences. Why wouldn't it happen in, in the Big Ten when they start playing football? It'll be interesting to see how they adapt to that and are they just going to completely scrap those games because, you know, with this late schedule – They're still trying to compete for the college football playoff and the national championship, so they don't have time to make up games. So are we going to potentially see some middle-of-the-week games to make up for it? You know, could we have Big Ten football on a Tuesday or Wednesday night? You don't know. You know, they're going to have to do something if they want to get those eight games in. So that's going to be a storyline to follow as we move forward in this.
0: Uh, absolutely. And, uh, let's get into some of those protocols and stuff for the big 10, uh, quickly, uh, since we do have some, uh, games to get on to today, but, uh, uh, the big 10 is going to do some daily testing. That's going to start, uh, September 30th. That'll be, uh, whoops. Uh, my notes went down here. Uh, yeah. So daily testing, uh, all every player football player in each of the 14, uh, big 10 programs will be, uh, tested every day. Um, uh, it's uh I believe rapid testing, so within minutes of taking the test, teams will know who's positive, who's negative. Um, and that should also help uh mitigate uh who we uh the the need to quarantine uh people since it is daily antigen testing. So if, uh one person tests positive, but uh, they've been around uh person B if person B doesn't test positive that same day. Uh, then he should be in the clear that being said if a player does test positive uh, big 10 uh, is making those student athletes uh, sit out 21 days so three weeks of action uh, so I mean if you get sick you're already missing about half the season uh, obviously no player is gonna want to do that but uh, under these circumstances uh, you got to do what you got to do now here's where it could get interesting for the big 10 uh, and I'm going to just quote this straight from the Big Ten's announcement. Uh, the Big Ten conference will use data provided by chief infection officer to make decisions about the continuation of practice and competition as determined by team positivity rates and population, population positivity rates based on a seven-day rolling average. For team positivity rates, the number of positive tests divided by total number of tests administered, green... so. These are teams. uh, Team can continue with normal practice and competition. Green will be uh, testing rates of zero to two percent. Orange, which is team must proceed with caution and enhanced COVID nineteen prevention, will be two to five percent. And then red teams must stop regular practice and competition. Will be anything above five percent. So that's team positivity rate. Population positivity rate, the number of positive individuals divided by total population at risk, will be green 0 to 3.5%, orange 3.5 to 7.5%, and, and then red anything over 7.5%. So I think the team positivity rate is pretty self-explanatory, straightforward. If 5% or more of the team tests positive, teams got to shut down. I think the population positivity rate is where some people are getting confused, and I am too. Uh, But let's focus on team positivity rate, Anthony. 5% of a 120-man roster is only, I think, six players. I mean, it's pretty easy, I feel, for the chances of six players to get sick on a team any given second or any given day.
1: I mean, yeah. You know, COVID spreads quickly, so... You know, six players out of 120 is not a lot of people. So, you know, they're obviously they're being strict about this, and it's really going to be on the players and the team themselves to really be cautious about what they're doing on campus because as we're finding, you know, campus numbers are rising pretty rapidly in some cases. I know at State College the numbers are doubling by the week. So, you know, it's really going to be on players to – make sure they're protecting themselves as best as they can and doing what they need to do to make sure that they're able to have a season. Because at this point it kind of feels like they've almost been given a gift. They've been given a second chance at a football season. It's up to them how they approach it. They
0: have. They have. But also based off what their protocols are and all that, I almost feel like if there's a conference that's currently playing that may be best suited to get through something like this right now, it may be the Big Ten given – all things considered.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're talking about like compared to like in the South where like cases are a little higher, right? Yeah.
0: Compared to the big, yeah. Compared to the big 12 as you see where, I mean, Texas tech uh, has had 75 players. Oklahoma had an outbreak and then uh, the SEC, I mean, LSU alone Ed Orgeron just said on Tuesday, he thinks that most of the players in his program have probably have probably tested positive for COVID at one point or another.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten might be the best condition to deal with this right now, I agree with you, and especially with the location of the Big Ten schools. And um, we'll have to see as we move forward, you know, how this progresses and, you know, how cases on campuses progress. Hopefully they can keep them down, and especially for the football teams, hopefully they can keep their cases down as well.
0: I I fully agree with that. Uh, uh, Scheduling-wise, nothing yet. Uh, I think the conference is probably going to look to get those schedules out with the next week, I would assume. Um, but according to Wisconsin's Barry Alvarez, their former uh, head coach, obviously, and current AD, uh, the, really there's been a wide range of discussions of when games could be played, including Monday nights. So um, seeing how it's eight games in eight weeks, I, I'm wondering how... How how do you make a Monday night game work? Because uh, asking college players to play on a Monday and then turn around and play on a Saturday uh, would be asking a lot. So you'd almost have to ask them to play on a Monday and then play on uh, a Thursday a whole week and a half later. But we'll see what happens with schedule and we'll let, obviously have an episode when that comes out. Um, so... Before we move on, Anthony, uh, do you think the Big Ten will get through this eight games in eight weeks season without any hiccups? Or do you think something's bound to happen?
1: I think it's optimistic to think that they're going to go through eight games in eight weeks and not have any sort of cancellations. There has to be some sort of contingency plan in there. You know, there's no way they're just expecting to cram in eight games in that short amount of time and not have any hiccups. So the short answer is no but you know the big Ten has shown before that they don't have plans for anything so it wouldn't shock me if they're just banking on it and this is just their their little attempt to get a season in and they'll pull the plug as quick as they possibly can at the first sign of trouble so we'll see as we move forward
0: yeah I, I, I agree I think it is pretty optimistic uh all things considered I think uh I mean I think it depends how serious, these individual programs take everything. I mean, uh, you look at LSU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, what are they doing so much different that they're getting these massive outbreaks but then you look at other schools uh, like a Georgia Tech uh, where there's been uh, any if, any players if uh, maybe if any at all uh, have gotten uh, positive tests back. So, I, I mean, I think it's just all it depends how strict these Athletes want to take this. If if they want to go out and party, if go on party buses like Memphis did after a game, um, then yeah, it's not going to work. But if they take it seriously, do what they have to do, wear their masks when they're not uh, when they're out in public and all that, I think uh, there's a better shot of everything happening.
1: I've heard uh, stories that um, from my friends at Penn State that James Franklin will drive and staff will drive around campus at spots where they know players might be and will literally scream at them in the in public if they're not wearing their mask and they're not social distancing from people so that's just one story of how staff members across the country on football teams and athletes and on teams alike are just taking those precautions and holding their teams accountable so funny little anecdote
0: Fully agree. And uh, good news for Penn State, too, in the news that uh, Pat Friarmoot, their All-American tight end, uh, never actually officially did uh, opt out, uh, though rumors said he did. And he's going to be returning for the Nittany Lions this year. Uh,
1: yeah, and uh, conversely, uh, Penn State's biggest rival, Ohio State, um, Wyatt Davis, the offensive lineman who opted out yep. a couple days ago, has tweeted that he is going through the steps to try to opt back in and rejoin Ohio State's team now that they are eligible to compete in the fall. So that's big news for the Buckeyes yep. as well.
0: Exactly. And, uh, I know Sean Wade, it was his birthday on Wednesday. So happy birthday, Sean Wade. Uh, but, uh, he told ESPN, uh, during, a, I think, a live Zoom call on ESPN that uh, he's uh, he's debating whether or not to uh, opt back in for the season. Of course, he did opt out uh, earlier uh, this week, uh, I think, just on Tuesday. So we'll see if he comes back. Uh, the other two big names in the Big Ten to watch out for who did opt out are, of course, Rondale Moore and uh, Micah Parsons. Um, it's... It's... We don't know if they're going to opt back in. Uh, There apparently is a way that uh, players could decide to uh, at least appeal to get opted back in uh, with eligibility uh, requirements, even if they uh, quote unquote sign an agent. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, Moving on, uh, brief recruiting news. We're going to try to start at least throwing out some recruiting news uh, here and there. Involving some big-time players, uh, so 2022 five-star cornerback Will Johnson, out of uh, Michigan, is uh, has announced his top 10 on Wednesday night. The Gross Point, Michigan native, announced a top 10 of Alabama, Arizona State, Georgia, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Penn State, Stanford, and USC. He's the composite number eight player in the country, uh, number third cornerback in the country in the 22 uh, recurring class, and uh, number one player in the state of Michigan. Anthony, uh, do you have any early feelings of where uh, Johnson may go? I I think I know, uh, or I think I could predict his top five, where it's going to end up, but uh, any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a really good player. Like you said, the number eight player in the country in the class of 2022. This is one of those stud kids in um, the Midwest. Now, if I was going to predict, I'm actually going to give a top three. I think he's got a very Big Ten uh, flavored top three. Um, I think Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are in that top three. You know, if there's a top five, maybe you throw like an Alabama or a Georgia in there. But I think those schools are definitely at least in his top five. And um, if I was to guess right now, I'd probably guess Michigan, just because he's from Michigan and he has mm-hmm. ties through, I believe, his father to the program. I don't forget if his father's an alum of yeah, Michigan. Yeah, his father or what that story uh, is.
0: His father Dion Johnson was a safety for the Wolverines uh, back in the early nineties.
1: Yeah, so if I'm gonna take a guess, I'm gonna say Michigan right now. But don't count out Ohio State or Penn State in his recruitment as well.
0: Yeah, and you actually mentioned uh, what uh, my top five would have been for Johnson, and that would have been Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, aha, uh-huh, State, and Penn State. Of course, those three Big Ten schools are uh, going to be on him throughout, and then uh, Georgia seems to always be sneaking up uh, more and more for these northern five stars, and uh, Alabama, you just can't ever rule them out, especially with uh, five-star corners and uh, safeties. Um, but a uh, with that, um, I think a quick mention. Uh, also, the NCAA has extended uh, the recruiting dead period uh, to January 1st. So, officially, no off-campus or on-campus recruiting until the new year. And with no plans to get rid of the early sign-up period or change the date of the early sign-up period, uh, it seems like there's going to be a significant amount of kids uh, this winter who end up signing with schools despite uh, never going on a visit to them officially or unofficially. Uh, So that uh, I feel like means uh, we're going to see plenty of transfers in the next uh, year and a half to two years.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, first of all, it's, it's a tough situation for these 2021 kids, you know, for them to not be able to take their official visits. That's a huge part of the recruiting process. And, you know, these, these kids have kind of been robbed of that and I don't blame them for feeling that way. You know, these kids want to take their official visits so that that really does suck for them and i feel for them in that regard but yeah like you said there's going to be a lot of kids you know we thought we were really going to have like a big flip season towards signing day once we thought official fitness would open up starting in like september october november we thought we'd get a lot of kids flipping towards the end now it seems like we're going to get a lot of kids in the transfer portal and that's going to be interesting you might see teams hold a spot or two open from the transfer portal next year to
0: try to capitalize on that, capitalize on that. I fully agree. Uh, let's, let's get into this week's, uh, football. Uh, we had a nice exciting week of football last week. And, uh, I think this week is going to be another, uh, good week of college football. Uh, not a, not a sexy, uh, slate of games, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a quality stretch. Sorry, a, a quality, uh, group of games here. Um uh, so no Thursday night games this week. Uh there is one Friday night game. That's Campbell versus Coastal Carolina. Um uh, But no exciting games. Houston versus Memphis was scheduled, but due to Memphis's COVID issues, uh that game has been postponed. Houston instead will take on Baylor on Saturday. Uh but let's get into these games. Uh Anthony, let's start out with that game. Houston at Baylor, Houston. Uh, like I just said, rescheduled uh, for this weekend after that game against Memphis was postponed. Baylor now takes on Houston. Um, H- Baylor is a open as a three-and-a-half-point favorite here. Uh, obviously, uh, the Bears were just uh, two games away really last year from being a college twelve playoff team, maybe even just an overtime period away from being a college twelve playoff team. Uh, They did lose Mad Rule to the NFL. Dave Arnada is now in there after being the defense coordinator at LSU the last few years. Uh, But they, of course, do return a levy of talent, including quarterback Charlie Brewer, uh, Houston. uh, Dana Holgerson Experience year two, I think it is now. Uh, Obviously, they don't have De'Ara King anymore uh, after he... uh, uh, Left midseason last year, now is at uh, Miami. But, uh, what's your thoughts on this game? Uh, who do you got?
1: I think the Big 12 really needs this game. I think that after last week, with everything that happened with Kansas State and Iowa State and even Texas Tech, I think that for the sake of the Big 12, Baylor really needs to come out and not dominate this game, but they need to win fairly easily. I think that, you know, it's only a minus three and a half point spread. I think that Baylor should win this game, you know, and take the points in this as well, but Houston could keep this one close. You know, big 12 defenses have not looked good to start the year. And I think Houston might keep this one a little closer than expected. I think that might be why the line is so low.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely could see that happening. Uh, yeah, I, I think Baylor uh, needs to come out in this game and uh, kind of assert their dominance. I I do think this is a little bit of a small line. I know Houston is a talented team and is a good team, uh, but this is a Baylor team. Like I said last year, was only uh, an overtime, really away from possibly being in the college football playoffs. Of course, they did change coaching staffs, but still, still a very, uh, oh, still a lot of talent on that roster. And uh, I mean, Holgerson hasn't always uh, been the most consistent head coach. Uh, he has has he does have a good record against Baylor. He was five and two uh, against them when he was at West Virginia. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna look at see if Houston's Clayton Tune, their quarterback, uh, can uh, step it up this year. He was okay last year at 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions, in seven games. Uh, but I mean, Charlie Brewer. Uh, Terrell, Bernard, both return for Baylor this year. Two of their best players on either side of the ball. I'm gonna take Baylor and the points here. Uh and uh what are you taking?
1: I already said I'm gonna take Baylor and the points oh, as well. Yeah.
0: That's right. My bad. Uh uh all right. Let's move on then. Boston College at Duke. Boston College will start the half year off this weekend. In Durham against the Blue Devils, who are coming off a 27-13 loss to Notre Dame. Uh, That being said, Duke didn't look half bad last week against Notre Dame defensively. It was only a 10-point fourth quarter that really put that out of the way, I mean, put that out of the reach for Duke. Uh, That being said, I think Duke's defense uh, looked pretty decent against a talented Notre Dame team. The offense obviously has work to do, but uh, I think this Boston College team has a lot of questions. um, And under a first-year head coach, you really never know what to expect. Uh, I think Chase Bryce uh, was uh, quality against Nardim, and I'm looking to see him have a big game here against uh, the Eagles.
1: An intriguing matchup in this one. I like the quarterback matchup here of two transfer quarterbacks in their first year at their new school. Uh, two highly rated uh, recruits coming out of high school that, you know, are trying to find their way at a new team. Phil Jurkovic at Boston College, Chase Bryce at Duke. I think Duke at home, I think that gives them the edge here, even without fans. I think they win this game, and I think they cover as well. And like like you said, they didn't look half bad against Notre Dame last week. They kept it close, especially in the first two and a half, three quarters. So I think Duke can take this game against Boston College.
0: Yeah, I agree there. Uh, I, I forget if I mentioned it, uh, uh, but Duke, a six-point favorite here. Um, I'm actually going to take Duke here and the points, I think. I don't think it's going to be anything more than 10 points at most, but I can see Duke winning this game by a touchdown and nine points. Um, but I, I agree, a very interesting matchup, and I think it could actually be one of uh, the underrated games of the week. and could be a fun one to watch uh, if you have nothing going on. Um I forgot to mention uh, how you can watch these games. So let me bring up the viewing schedule here. Uh, If you bear with me for one moment. All right. So Houston versus Baylor will be kicking off at 12 p.m. on Fox. And then, of course, Boston College versus Duke will be kicking off at 12 p.m. as well. But you can catch that one on ESPN3. All right, let's go to another ACC game, Anthony. Uh, Syracuse at number 25, Pittsburgh. Uh, the Panthers here are twenty and a half 20-and-a-half point favored, coming off a big win last week and against uh, who I believe it was Austin P they took down last week. Uh, and it was, it was an impressive effort, to say the least, a 55-nothing shutout victory. Uh, Syracuse, on the other hand, coming off a, a dismal performance, to say the least, against USC. UNC, uh 31-6 loss. Uh, that included a 21 uh, fourth quarter by the Tar Heels. Um, I, I think Syracuse uh, is a team that can still uh, play some close games against good teams. Tommy DeVito, I think, is a very good quarterback if he's given the time and a, a ability to make some plays happen. Of course, with that Syracuse offensive line, uh, that's a big if. Kenny Pickett looked good in Week One. Uh, that entire uh, Pitt offense really uh, looked good, uh, to say the least. Uh, what are you looking at for this game?
1: Yeah, I mean that the Pittsburgh last week, you know, Austin Pay isn't exactly a you know a top notch opponent, but they dominated from start to finish. You know, the offense looked great. Kenny Pickett under center looked great. That defensive line has always looked stout. That's going to be the strength of their team this year, no question. And uh, I think Pittsburgh will win this game, but I don't think they're going to cover. I think 20 and a half is, is a large spread for Pittsburgh. And I think that they're a better team than Syracuse, but I think Syracuse will play a little better than last week. They got thoroughly dominated by North Carolina, but I think North Carolina is a better team than Pittsburgh. So I'm going to say that Pittsburgh wins, but Syracuse still covers.
0: Yeah, I, I fully agree. I mean, uh, Syracuse may be bad offensively, but that defense was keeping a pretty good uh, North Carolina offense in check for three quarters of that game. And like I said, that fourth quarter got away from them, but, that, that's going to happen when you have a talented offense like North Carolina going up against a team like Syracuse. If Syracuse offense can't answer or put up points, uh, North Carolina is just eventually probably going to break through and find a way to put up points. And You give up one touchdown, you give up two, you start losing a little bit of confidence defensively, and it just snowball effects. Uh, Pittsburgh I don't think is as talented as North Carolina. I think they're talented, but uh, Kenny Pickett isn't the type of quarterback Sam Howell is. He's a very much a game manager and I think Syracuse defense is going to be able to keep this game pretty close uh, for the most part. I can see Pittsburgh win this still by, um, 14 to 17 points. Uh, but at 20 and a half points to open, I think it's gone up to 23 points as of Wednesday night. Um, I think Syracuse, uh, covers this game, but Pittsburgh wins moving on. Let's go back to the big 12, um, And uh, uh, actually, if I did not mention uh, that Pittsburgh game versus Syracuse, uh, 12 p.m. ACC Network on Saturday. But like I said, let's go back to the Big 12. We got Tulsa at number 11, Oklahoma State. Uh, The Cowboys are one of uh, the teams everybody's watching, heading into the season, thinking that uh, they had the talent and potential to make a run in the big, not just the Big 12, but maybe to the college football playoff. If they're gonna do so, that starts um, on Saturday at 12 p.m. on ESPN. Oklahoma open as a 20. Oklahoma State open as a 20 and a half point favorite. Um, I gotta take a quick drink. Kyrie Anthony getting a little bit of a scratchy throat. Uh, give me your thoughts.
1: Yeah, my thoughts really quick. You know, kind of like Baylor, Houston. This is a game that Oklahoma State needs to dominate. You know, I know. I said that you know Baylor Houston is going to be a close game. I, I shouldn't have said dominate for that one, but I think Baylor needs to win by a decent margin. But I think Oklahoma State needs to dominate this game. Like you said, the line is at 20 and a half points. Like, but the way that the Big 12 has been trending in the last week, I almost want to say that I'm going to say Oklahoma State's going to win, obviously. But I almost want to say that they're not going to cover. I, I for some reason I just think that this is going to be a close game. I don't know a lot about Tulsa. I don't know how great or how bad of a team they are this year, but you know, first game of the season, Oklahoma State has all the weapons on offense. I don't know a whole lot about their defense. I know they got some good players, but I have a feeling that the first game, there's going to be some rust shake off. The defense is going to look a little shaky, and I think they're going to give up some points that they're not that they shouldn't be giving up. So I think that Oklahoma State's going to win, but maybe only by like 14 points. So it's not they're not going to cover.
0: Yeah, I fully agree that uh, Oklahoma State has to come out here and uh, not just be show have a good showing for themselves, but for that Big Twelve, like you said, the Big Twelve last week did not have a banner week. Uh, I mean, besides Oklahoma and Texas, everybody else either lost or had, and sorry, West Virginia either lost or had a very close win. And I mean, that that's not a good showing, especially for your Iowa State. Do everybody came into the season thinking. Wow, this could be a team that competes in the Big Twelve. Um uh, apparently not. Uh and now you people are saying similar things about Oklahoma State all, all throughout this offseason. Uh we'll see if they can live up to the hype. This Tulsa team is a good team. They 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 shouldn't be taken lightly, but uh I do have Oklahoma State covering this one. I think uh their talent is just gonna be way too much for uh Oklahoma I mean Tulsa To handle. I mean, you look at Oklahoma State, they may have uh, the best uh, single combination of uh, quarterback, running back, and wide receiver in the entire country. You have Spencer Sanders and quarterback and running back. You have Chubba Hubbard, obviously, and then a wide receiver, you have uh, Tylen Wallace. Uh, All three are going to be. (laughs) <laughs> among the best of the positions in the big 12 this year. So I'm excited to see uh, what they can do on Saturday. I think Oklahoma state does win this game and I think they do cover.
1: Yeah, it should be a good matchup to watch in terms of that Oklahoma state offense. I'm excited to see Spencer Sanders and Chubba Hubbard this year. You know, how could Chuba Hubbard um, one up himself from the season he had last year where he absolutely just terrorized the big 12 on offense
0: You know, he was an impressive player. He really was, and I'm I'm very excited to see Trevor Hubbard uh, this year after his 2,000-yard campaign a year ago. All right, let's go to the game that I, of course, will be watching the most of any game this week. That's UCF versus Georgia Tech. The Yellow Jackets coming off a thrilling 16-13 win at Florida State. Now they have the Golden Knights come into Atlanta. The Knights, a seven and a half point favorite over the Yellow Jackets. Uh, I'm I obviously I write for YellowJackedUp.com, and I cover the Yellow Jackets for the last four years, basically. Um, I think this Georgia Tech defense is pretty legit. I I do wonder if their defensive line is going to be able. to uh, to do things against more talented offensive lines, we'll see, starting this week. Uh, but that offense, I think, left a lot of points on the board against uh, Florida State. And if they uh, can find a ways to uh, get those mistakes out of their system, uh, and that some of that does come back to Jeff Sims being a little bit smarter, making some better decisions, again, just going to be a f- true freshman in his second game. I think this Georgia Tech team could be dangerous against a team like UCF uh and uh, I right now I'm leaning UCF to win this game but I'm thinking Georgia Tech to cover and I wouldn't be surprised if this is another uh field goal game when it comes down to it at the end
1: This is going to be an interesting one to watch. I'm not really sure which way to go on this one just because I wasn't expecting Georgia Tech to win last week. You know, I can't tell if it was First of all, this is a really good win for Georgia Tech. Let me just throw that out there. We talked about it on the last podcast, yeah. but yep. an impressive win Program nonetheless. User. But I'm not sure how much of that was Georgia Tech showing up to play versus Florida State just really not being that good. Like I'm still trying to figure out what was the, the leading cause of Georgia Tech winning that game. Because it seems like Georgia Tech just has Florida State's number. I don't remember the it, record of the, the last, last couple of years. years it does. Yeah, I mean those those the last thing I remember besides this game of Georgia tech was that blocked field goal. They returned for a touchdown to win it. If there's been any games in between that, I have no idea, but that's all I remember from it. So I'm not sure which one no, was this one prior
0: to Saturday, prior to Saturday. That was the last time the yellow jackets and Florida state met up.
1: Wow. So yeah, Georgia tech is two and zero against Florida state recently. Florida state's a dumpster fire, but we'll, we'll talk about them some other time. But in this game, I think UCF is going to win like you said, and I don't want to copy you, but I feel like it's like going to be like a touchdown, but it's not quite gonna be enough for UCF to cover. I think it's going to be close, yeah. but I do think UCF I mean, is going to win. I wouldn't be yeah. shocked if they, if they barely cover though, I could see UCF winning by like 10 points.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I think uh, we'll see uh, this week how much of it was Georgia tech. Um, uh, possibly actually being a good team and how much was it Florida State just not being very good. And I mean, Georgia Tech secondary is going to be tested here. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I think, is one of the best quarterbacks in all of uh, the G5. Um, And he's going to be a real test for him. James Blackman. uh, Never has really been a great quarterback. Uh, So uh, we'll see how they do against a guy like Dylan Gabriel. He's going to be one of the better quarterbacks they face all season
1: yeah like i said last week i really like jeff sims i really like like his potential at quarterback but he's gonna have some growing pains he's still a freshman he's gonna make some freshman mistakes and i think a team like ucf you know a really experienced team a really solid team in the in the g5 could could expose those mistakes
0: i fully agree um let's move on to our our next game uh App State at Marshall. And Inc. again, I, I keep forgetting to mention these times. Uh, Georgia Tech, UCF, 330 ABC on Saturday. But now time for App State versus Marshall, 330 again on Saturday, this time on the CBS Sports Network, I believe. Uh, Wait. Is it CBS Sports or is it actual CB? Okay, yes. No it's going to be carried on CBS so look at that that is good for Marshall and Apple App State here they are going to get a national game at 3:30 p.m. on Saturday
1: on CBS wait are they going to get like the SEC announcers
0: um i'm not sure but i mean that would be the SEC time schedule so um uh,
1: can we get uh, can we get the quick researcher can we get the SEC music though for their game like i don't care that it's not the SEC i just want to hear that freaking music on tv again cuz that it is TV that might be one of the most hype, the most hype like sports Disney like tv music ever like that SEC dun, da, da, dun, da 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 like that that music that's just so hype and i have been dying to hear that again
0: yeah i mean as this one comment says it's not gonna be you're watching the home depot s c c on c b s it's gonna be you're watching the home depot s b c sunbelt conference on c b s uh yeah and of course uh that game is uh replacing the b y u uh army game that was originally scheduled for this week uh on c b s but i mean good for good for the c for the sun Belt conference but also um, Conference USA for again uh, a bit a game on national television that good for them. Um, Listen, App State's always said, good
1: for some. They're always good for some surprises. You know, they, they obviously in 2007 they had the Michigan game a couple of years ago. Uh, they almost beat Tennessee in 2016. They almost beat Penn State, I believe, in 2018. So or 2019, whatever year that was. So, 2018. 2018. Yeah, I try to block that out of my memory. That was a horrible day, almost. But App State is a good freaking team, man. Like, they always show up to play, no matter who it is. I'm impressed by App State. I think they're going to be an AAC team very, very soon. I think at some point they're going to move up because they're just going to outplay the Sun Belt. And I think that they're going to win this game in cover. You know, I don't know a whole lot about Marshall. Marshall looked impressive last week. I know that much. But I'm going to pick App State in this game.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I, I'm really torn on this game. I think App State's the better team. And, I mean, if they went out and won this game by 20, 30 points, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I'd be a little shocked, but I wouldn't be too shocked. But something in my gut is just telling me Marshall.
1: Okay, that's fair. Okay. They looked good last week.
0: They, they did look good. I mean, they put up 59. They, they had a 59 zero shutout over Eastern Kentucky. App State had a decent win over, I think it was, uh, Coastal Carolina. Was it Coastal Carolina? No,
1: Coastal Carolina. Uh, sorry. Coastal, sorry, Coastal Carolina. Played no, Kansas, it, was, uh,
0: it was Charlotte.
1: Charlotte, that's
0: right. Charlotte, that's right. It had a 35-20 win over Charlotte. Uh, the matchup to watch here is going to be the App State Russian attack. Versus the Marshall uh, run defense. Uh, App State against Charlotte ran for 308 yards. Marshall only allowed 80 yards to Eastern Kentucky on the ground. Uh, sorry, 86 yards. So that's going to be the matchup that decides this game. Uh, I'm not going to make an official pick right now for this one. Because my mind is telling me App State wins comfortably. Um uh, it opened as a three and a half point spread towards App State, uh. But something in my gut here is saying Marshall covers, uh, not covers but wins straight up.
1: Hey, we, uh, we got to differ somewhere. I mean, we always have very similar views here, similar views so. Here.
0: I I re- I really like Grand Wells Marshall's freshman quarterback. Uh, he looked really good. Uh, his arm talent is really impressive. We'll see if he can do it against a a, a better team here in App State, a ranked t- App State team. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but yeah, my my heart, my mind tells me App State. My heart, my heart, gut is telling me Marshall wins this straight up. Uh, so if we want to go with Marshall straight up for me, I'll take it. Uh, I mean. Uh, If App State wins this uh, by 30, I look like a fool. If Marshall wins this, I look like a genius. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'll go out on a limb and say Marshall wins this one. That leads us to our final game and the game of the well, ESPN's game of the week. Uh, This is the one where you'll hear uh, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit. And this is the one I believe College Game Day is going to be at in Louisville. The Miami Hurricanes, the number 17th ranked team in the country against the number 18th ranked Louisville Cardinals. The Cardinals a two-point favorite. Anthony, what are your thoughts?
1: I don't know. Man, this is a tough game to – I've been thinking about this one. You know, this is probably the game of the week. It should be the game of the week anyway. And this could go either way. It really could. I mean, I really like Derrick King. I think he looked good last week against against UAB, 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 but Louisville's a completely different test. This is going to be his first first real real test as the Miami quarterback. If he can lead them to victory against Louisville, I think people will start to realize that, you know, he's the real deal for Miami, and Miami is going to be a contender in the ACC. If he loses this game, I could see this causing a snowball effect for Miami in terms of their season. So...
0: Yeah, I I agree with that.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna put my faith in Derek King and say Miami Derrick wins King a close one, one on the road in a true one. test for their season.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, and I like to say this is gonna be an exciting quarterback matchup. Two really talented quarterbacks here, Derek King for Miami, but then Malik uh, Cunningham for uh Louisville, who's coming off 343 passing yards last week and a touchdown. Uh. So, I mean, he's an excited talent, Uh, and then De'Aaron King's obviously an exciting talent. It should be a fun matchup between them. Uh, yeah, I'm torn between this one. I think, like, obviously Miami, I think, is the more talented team on paper, but Louisville seems like, for the last year and a half, the better coached team. Scott Satterfield's one of the best coaches in the entire country, regardless of program or conference yeah Louisville uh, without better en- a doubt
1: Louisville better enjoy Scott Satterfield while he's there because I don't think he's going to be there in five years
0: and I mean, you look at what these two teams did last week. Louisville faced western Kentucky beat them thirty five twenty one Miami faced u a b thirty one fourteen pretty even there. what do you expect? two good g five teams. They both got decent wins. You look at the team stats: total yards offensively for the two, Miami 4, ninety five, Louisville four eighty seven yards allowed. Miami two eighty five, Louisville two forty eight. Um. So I mean, these teams are really close to each other,
1: as emphasized by but, the two point difference in the in the spread.
0: In the, in the spread. <laughs> yeah, exactly emphasized. I mean, over under 64.5 here, so they're expecting a high-scoring game. Uh, So, when it's this close, I feel like I have to go with who I think has the better coaching. And for me, that's Louisville.
1: Yeah, for me, that's also Louisville. But I'm going to ride it on Miami's talent. I really am.
0: Yeah, and that and that's a fair Like I, uh, I think that's two ways you can go in games. I think if you you could go with the better coach and wins, Louisville, or the better town wins Miami. And that's almost the same my same philosophy with App State Marshall. App State's the more talented team. I don't know if Marshall if Doc Holliday is really a better, uh, coach than uh App State's. Uh, I'm playing as App State's new head coach. Uh, But that being said, Doc does have the more experience. That's why I'm going with him. And I'm going to go with Louisville in this game. I think Scott Satterfield is going to have his guys ready uh, to make a statement on uh, national television, 730 ABC. And I I think the Cardinals get this done and cover the spread. And I won't be shocked if they win this game by uh, 7 to 10 points.
1: I can respect that decision, and I'm excited for this game. This will be a fun game to watch, a top 25 matchup of two exciting offenses, and I think it will be a high-scoring game.
0: I uh, fully agree with that, and uh, that does cover all the games uh, that are really notable this week. Some other ones, uh, Austin Peay versus Cincinnati, uh, 12 p.m. ESPN+. Uh, number 19, Louisiana. Congrats to Louisiana. The Raging Cajuns ranked for the first time since, I think, 1945. Uh, they faced Georgia State at 12 p.m. on ESPN. South Florida versus Notre Dame, 2.30 p.m. on the USA Network. Not NBC, but the USA Network. Uh, Charlotte, 3.30 versus North Carolina. ESPN, 3.00. Um, the Citadel versus Clemson on the ACC network at 4 o'clock. And those are all the other games for this week, I believe.
1: Also, uh, eight, 8 p.m., Wake Forest takes on to NC State. You can catch that on the ACC network as well. Yep.
0: Uh, Liberty versus Washington, Kentucky, 12 p.m., ESPNU. Navy, Tulane, 12 p.m., ABC. Uh, Stephen F. Austin versus UTSA at 3 o'clock on ESPN 3. Uh, Florida Atlantic, Georgia Southern, ESPN at 3.30. Troy vs. Middle Tennessee, 4 p.m. ESPN 2. 6 p.m., we got SMU vs. North Texas, CBS Sports Network. Um, and then the last two games, we have our Texas State vs. Louisiana Monroe, ESPNU at 7.30. And Abilene Christian versus UTEP, 9 p.m. on ESPN3. Uh, So that's all the games we have. Of course, we went over just a select few of those games that we thought were notable games for this weekend. Uh, That being said, Anthony, uh, as we were recording this, I did see a little bit of news go across my Twitter timeline, and that is the Big Ten is working uh, very hard in their schedules and it seems like they will want to try to make uh, a schedule announcement, uh, possibly by the end of the week, if not early next week. So uh, we'll we'll get to know the schedules perhaps by our next episode when we recap week three of college football action. But uh, until then, thanks for listening to the call uh, your favorite college football podcast, the First and Beer College Football Podcast. Uh, Another exciting week of college football action on the table for us. And um, we obviously got the news about the big Ten returning. Very exciting. Uh, so uh, it's going to be an exciting next few months uh, for college football. We're going to have college football all the way through uh, really Christmas, it seems. Uh, and we can't wait for all this action. So uh, for Anthony, uh, thanks for listening once again. Don't forget to like, uh, uh, like the podcast on whatever uh, platform you listen to. Uh, Leave any comments for us on the podcast or on Twitter. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Do all that mumbo-jumbo. You know the rest. Uh, And, yeah, thanks again. And uh, don't forget to have a beer this weekend if you're over the age of 21. Enjoy some college football. If you're not over the age of 21, we'll have a nice uh, soft drink, pop, soda, whatever you want to call it, wherever you're from. Um, uh, Thanks, and talk to you soon.